and welcome to All His Movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast. This is episode 11, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull from 2008. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And this is one that we've been looking forward to in different ways, I think, all along. Like, we knew that the big ones to watch in the middle of his career were the three Transformers movies and this one. I think I had only seen this in theaters. I don't think I'd seen it since theaters. I remember not, I don't remember much about it. I know that you, I think, had said that you liked it or you had recollections of liking it. This is a movie that's basically panned by most people, in spite of the fact that it has a 77% of Rotten Tomatoes. So, like, you know, even if they're not giving it great reviews, like, three quarters of critics think it's a good movie. My hot take is that I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's fun if it's a little bit forgettable. It doesn't really harm the Indiana Jones brand. I think it's a cash grab, but I think a lot of things are cash grab, and I really don't have a problem with this. But you, I understand, <laughs> have changed your mind a little bit. I have changed my mind a little bit, but, but you actually, I think you got it in reverse. I haven't seen this in its entirety since theaters I almost walked out I was pissed <laughs> oh yeah believe it or not and I don't usually get like that I don't know Indiana Jones has just always been a part of my life and I remember when Last Crusade came out and that was terrific something inside just like wasn't accepting it inside of me I just couldn't process what, what was going on but okay over the years, I actually think this movie ages pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, compared to something like Transformers, it's freaking, Ugh. you know, it's Chinatown. I kind of have the same take as you do. You know, it definitely does nothing to seriously damage the franchise or anything. Like, there's really maybe one or two things in here nowadays that I just kind of scoff at. But uh, for the most part, I've come to terms with the tone of what Indiana Jones should be, and I kind of feel like this fits right in the middle of there, you know? It, I don't want to call it the worst, but, like, it's the least best of all of them, but right. I definitely don't, like, throw my arms up in the air and change the channel when it comes on anymore, you know? I, I see the value in it. I'm not saying that you should compare this to Raiders or anything. So also, here's another little disclaimer, uh, going back a few months to Tobin's, like, bombshells about my own private Idaho and stuff. I'm not 100% sure I've seen... Temple of Doom, and Last Crusade all the way through. I know I've seen big parts of both, and I'm sure I've seen both, but I'm not 100% sure. Raiders I've seen probably 30 times. Like, I know Raiders inside and out. Like, that's the one I know. The other two I'm not sure. So, like, I'm not this guy who grew up on all three of these movies. I think the only one that my dad ever really, like, I saw him ever watching, which is why I watched it, was Raiders. I think he loves Raiders. I don't have this, like, passion. Like, people, like, with Star Wars or whatever, like, or Ghostbusters, the new, like, mm -hmm. people, like, this ruined my childhood with this new movie. Like, I don't have that with this. I don't really have any of those kind of movies from my childhood. So I'm not, maybe I'm the wrong person to sort of get offended. I watch this movie through the lens of, aside from just looking for Shia, but through the lens of, why do people hate this? And I really don't have any reason why people hate it. The only thing I can sort of come up with is because people might hate that there are aliens, but my counterpoint to that is like, okay, but you're okay with a world where, like, God exists, and like the, the you know, Ark of the Covenant is <laughs> yeah. a real thing, but no, we can't do aliens? I don't, yeah. I, if that if that's the argument, I don't know if it is or not, if that's the argument, I don't buy it. Yeah, I hear you too. I mean, I, it wasn't necessarily the plot or the aliens for me at the time. I think it was more just, I, I don't know what it was. Maybe we were away from Indiana Jones for too long, and when it came back, it just felt different or whatever. But, like, maybe... There is a bit of sort of extra childishness in this one a little bit, but that's, I mean, that's part of the franchise. If you go back and look, there's always been this balance between, you know, scary uh, seriousness and then goofy lightheartedness and stuff. And 
you know, I think maybe the balance is tipped a little more towards the youth audience this time around, but that's okay because, you know, it's kind of like this soft reboot. It goes through the motions of all the previous movies while trying to be itself. Yeah, like as a kid growing up, I mean, we had the VHS tape of Temple of Doom, so like that was on constant play around my house all the time. Raiders I was least familiar with growing up, but like I said, The Last Crusade came out in theaters when, and I got to see that and really came to know that. That kind of became my favorite one for a while there. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think there's only maybe like a couple little moments that you know throw this movie off for me and and they're seriously moments like if they were cut out of the film I would have like no issue with this whatsoever but it's mostly just the use of special effects I think in this movie are a little bit of a problem I just think they stand out and they take you a little bit out of the time period it's supposed to take place in but you're right i think you know on a grand scale there's nothing here insulting to the franchise there's even that indiana jones television show that came out in the 90s and you can watch it on amazon now and and i've been catching up with that with one of my nephews and clearly no one has watched that or there'd be outraged too i mean indiana jones was taught to shoot by teddy roosevelt Uh, you know like he has been woven through the fabric of this alternate history his entire life and this is really no different to what they're trying to do with the character forever you know I just think it's more overt now in this one and and it's clearly overpacked with stuff too and so I think it's just an attack on your senses to a degree yeah I don't I don't really know I mean you're right the CGI doesn't really age well and I think that's the biggest thing because I mean eight years is not a long time but eight years in terms of computers is a really long time the Transformers movies are all about CG. Putting aside for a second the fact that they're like all CG and we don't like it, it's not great. That ages better, right? Like that. I mean, even though if you can't understand what's going on, like that still looks good. Like that looks better than this movie, right? In terms of CG. Yeah, I think so because well, with that it's wall to wall. Like those you need CG and it's right there from the start. And here it's just kind of thrown in at certain moments. You know, they're trying to. I can tell they're trying to do most things with practical effects, but then there's times where they cross the line and it doesn't seem necessary. A pretty overt moment of CGI-ness is the jungle chase fight, and then with all the monkeys that become sort of incorporated into that sequence, you could cut out all that monkey business and and do that... Hey, and do the jungle chase a little more practically. I think they kind of overshoot a little bit with this one. I just wanted it to be a lot less than what we got. I think if they had just pulled back at a lot of moments, it would be a lot better. I read one thing online that apparently the original idea was to do most things practically, and then when they started shooting, Spielberg was like, oh, we're going to use a lot more CGI. I need to use a lot more CGI than I anticipated. Roughly, like, a third of the movie was going to be CGI. Like, yeah, I think he wanted to, you know, knowing who he is and knowing where he came from, I can see him wanting to do it practically, But I guess just when they started going, they just needed to sort of, like, call an audible. I do wish that that chase scene through the jungle was a little bit more toned down. Because, I mean, like, the car chase is really cool. Like, that's all stuff that's practical, you know what I mean? Aside from the the -the over-the-topness, we have Shia basically doing, like, a Jean-Claude Van Damme split between two cars while sword fighting. And then swinging on vines through the woods like a monkey. Like, aside from the fact that, like, the CG is not great... Those are two wonderful things to see for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is kind of fun to get those moments on their own. It just, I don't like how they 
just keep doubling down on everything in this one. You know, like it, I think that jungle chase would be enough without the monkey swinging and everything, or even without the sword fighting. And I don't mind that they go over a waterfall. I mind that they go over three waterfalls. You know, it just feels like right when they've found the right balance, they push it a little over the edge. And that kind of goes with every scene, like the warehouse and the opening. Like, I don't have any issue with them doing like this awesome thing through the warehouse, but it's kind of going too far when they show the Ark of the Covenant. It's just like there for a wink and doesn't service the story for any reason. There's just times like that I wish they pulled back. Well, I feel like the biggest problem this movie has is what we were talking about before we started recording. So, like, there's so many winks. Just like you said, there's so many winks to the previous movies that are like, hey, we've been away for 25 or 30 years, or not not 30 years, 20, 25 years. You guys remember us, right? Like, you loved us. Like, the arc, or like I was saying before we started recording, when Jim Broadbent shows up in these classroom, and just like in Raiders, like, at the very beginning, like, that's one of the, like, after he goes on this adventure and he comes back, teaching his class, and, like, he sort of gets, the dean just, like, steps in, and it's the same beats. And it's just like, hey, like, you remember, and I feel like, and like, you know, they show Sean Connery's picture, and I feel like they just, like, a lot of things, like, it's fan service, but, like, to the point where we don't need that. Like, the movie itself is fan service. You know what I mean? Like, you could have mm-hmm. this kind of story and not have it be Indiana Jones and still have it be, like, a fun movie. The fact yeah. that, like, it is Indiana Jones is almost enough of a fan service that, like, you don't need to be like, hey, remember all those times? Like, it's right. basically like, you know, if you, like, saw a picture of, like, Short Round, it was like, oh, I missed that kid. Like, that's, like, mm-hmm. the only thing that, like, this is missing. Yeah, instead of creating these new things to love, it's reminding you of the old things that the movies first created that we all loved about those. Uh, and it kind of fails to create anything new in and of itself for me, except for one element that I think you might surprised listeners which was my favorite part of this movie which is Shia his son Mutt I think Mutt is actually a great addition to the Indiana Jones canon I'm not entirely pleased with the way that he's incorporated into the film and I just think there's way too many characters like the Mac character what is he even doing in this movie you know Indy's partner his friend or his right double-crossed friend. You mean his, his triple agent? No, I just lied about being a double agent. Yeah, I mean, even Oxley, the John Hurt character, like, I don't even know if he was necessary. I think you could have just been Indy, Mutt, and Marion. You know, Marion could have been the one that's lost, captured by the Russians. She found the skull. Like, just make her the explorer. Or just have Ox be dead. Like, you don't need Ox to be there. Exactly. So I think it gets bogged down, which is unfortunate because if it was streamlined, there really is something underneath all of the remember thisness about it and just all of the references and stuff. Like, it's Indiana Jones. It doesn't need to reference itself. What it should do is just trust within the strength of the character to be able to tell a story that creates these new iconic moments. Going back to how you started that, I feel like Mutt is good, but I feel like there's a problem here. Like, was this like a, supposed to be like a passing of the baton to Shia? I don't really have any inside info on any of that. To, to my knowledge, when it came out, the rumor was oh, he's going to be in it, then the media was like, well, then obviously they're going to pass the baton or pass the fedora to Shia. But I don't think that was ever actually the intention. If you go into interviews now about how they're trying to make a new Indiana Jones and ask the producers you're going to recast them, they're like, no, Harrison Ford will always play Indiana Jones, or at least Indiana Jones will always be the character yeah Yeah. or just that Mutt if he gets a movie he won't be called Henry he'll be it'll be the adventures of Mutt Williams it won't be Indiana Jones gotcha you know what I'm saying yeah so I think like the idea was maybe in a way to create like spin-off attempts to then take 
the Indiana Jones universe and, you know, go full Marvel with it or something. What's interesting about that is that in terms of Harrison Ford as Indy, reading the trivia on IMDb, a lot of it apparently, like, he kept himself in such good shape between the movies, and, like, he's, I mean, he what is, what is he now, like, 73 now, so he's probably, like, 65 then? Does that sound mm-hmm. right? I think so. He's in great shape there, and he did most of his stunts, like, you know, in the beginning, in that opening scene where he's just, like, scaling those boxes, and, like, you know, I'm, it's just climbing a little bit, but, like, those are kind of steep, and, like, he's just mm-hmm. going up there effortlessly. I was thinking even just being stuffed in a trunk at his age would be yeah. a stunt. <laughs> he did almost all of his stunts for this. He apparently wanted them to include more jokes about his age he didn't dye his hair like so he wants to embrace the fact that like indy's older like this whole thing was not about i feel like you know based on what you said and based on the interviews and based on like this thing i'm reading right now it's not about the passing of the torch but like seeing indy in a different decade yeah here's the guy that you saw in the 30s now it's the 50s now we have you know nuclear bombs and we have these like Pleasantvilles or whatever it's a different world around him I like Ike is it the 40s <laughs> the fi- whatever it is late 50s yeah so it's 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 him in a different time it's cool to see if you have like a reboot like with Channing Tatum as Indiana Jones it'd be like okay like cool I guess but like seeing him like an 80 year old Indiana Jones like one last mission like, you know what I mean like just sort of like one last job I don't know the one sort of reason now like watching this is weird is that like I feel like living in a world where the Uncharted games exist for PS3 and PS4, like, it almost defeats the need to watch an Indiana Jones movie, because those are, like, those are Indiana Jones movies. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it's more interactive, and it's, like, it's, it's crazier, and it's, like, more fun, sort of. Yeah, well, I even was thinking of National Treasure watching this at some points, because you just can't help but this movie is the template for so much, you know, Tomb Raider games and, you know, other just adventure stuff, and... Who even knows if, like, Pitfall wasn't based a little bit on this. It's just a guy with a whip going over holes on Atari. I wouldn't mind if they recast Indy. I think Harrison Ford does a good job. I just think the character in this, for the most part, is disgruntled a lot. Yeah. That just, it's, it's just like the way they wrote him. I think Harrison's fine. He can still embody. I mean, you know that he's fit and he did a good job in Star Wars and everything, too. But I don't think recasting him would be out of line. I mean, on the TV show, it is canon, but I know people don't really go back and watch that. He was played as a young boy at the age of 10 by one actor, and then he was played uh, in his 20s by another actor and stuff. And it's still indie to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it doesn't matter ultimately who plays them. It would have been maybe a little weird if like they recast him and still set it like in the 50s in a way. I don't know. It's strange. Like I almost want to say if they're going to recast Indy, you got to go back and do younger adventures so that you could do more in between stuff. It's it's a weird situation. Yeah, I don't know what you do with the fran- I don't know cuz it's not like Bond, right? Where it's Right, cuz it's chronological. Like it keeps this yeah. it keeps like a continuity. I'm trying to think like if they continued it with Mutt, which I don't think they're going to. But like if they continued it with Mutt, they'd still have to call the movie Indiana Jones, right? Cuz like otherwise, like you wouldn't just call it like, The Adventures of Mutt Williams cuz like maybe the part of the branding is like people want to see the new Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, I mean, remember the original was released as Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was retitled Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark for home video. They could bring back that tradition where it's just like Mutt Williams, you know, and the Pyramid of Mystery or something, or, you know, the Lost Continent with the Mermaid or whatever, and just do it that way and market it as having maybe a cameo by Indy in it and just so you could connect it absolutely to that world or something. Watching it this time, I totally understand that the whole part is just to see how Indy 
is reflecting the different decade that yeah. he's sort of running around in. I hate to keep harking back to that show, but they really nail it in that show. Like, it really gets a sense of, you know, he's just like this cipher of history and you see the world through his eyes of adventure and the more I see it and think about it the less I definitely have a problem with this movie and enjoy it for what it is yeah this movie's not bad <laughs> but I tell you it is kind of the CGI is bad though <laughs> like the prairie dogs in the beginning a lot of CGI like in, in sort of in every decade you know, you yeah. can point to examples where it just it does not age well. What kind of kills it for me is that we're dealing with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg here, and right. they basically have the keys to ILM, and it's like, you know, they should have done whatever it took to advance the technology to the point where, you know, even now we're going, I can't believe how good those monkeys looked. Or, you know, uh, the, that alien at the end was the greatest alien we've ever seen. But, in fact, it's kind of one of the worst. And <laughs> that's just one of the little bummers that makes me go, like, everything is here to make it great, and they only made it good. But I'm okay with it. No, I'm still okay with it. I'm just searching for things to say about it. In terms of Mutt, in terms of Mutt Williams, Shia LaBeouf, Mutt, common name for a dog, or Mm -hmm. named after a dog or whatever, Indiana Jones, named after the family dog, right, Henry in Indiana, so a little bit of connection there. I think Shia's good in this movie, and Shia has a certain energy, like you need that, like, that youthful energy next to Indy. Like, basically, the the vibe that Harrison Ford had at 40, he doesn't have anymore. You need somebody young. But I feel like the same thing we were talking about when you're up against robots and Transformers or you're up against Tom Hardy in Lawless, nobody's going to look great or cool next to one of the all-time epitomes of cool. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's so overshadowed by the giant that is... Indiana Jones, like forgetting Harrison Ford for a second, just like Indiana Jones, I don't think he's given as much as he possibly could to do because A, he's not the star, and B, like people are there to see Indy. You know what I mean? I just feel like, I feel like he's good, but this is not a great example of like how he could lead an action franchise. It's not his job to lead, it's his job to sort of play second fiddle, sort of. Yeah, it is a bit of a thankless role in that regard, and I don't think that he was wanted in the public eye to be in this movie after Transformers Transformers and things, and his public image was starting to sway a little bit, and I think this role is, like, a reason, like, a lot of people avoid some of his stuff, to a degree, just because he feels like, I don't know, it almost feels like he, not that he doesn't want to be here, but that he, it's like a duty or something, or like, like a favor, or like, Spielberg said, you're gonna be an Indiana Jones, and he's just like, well, you can't say no to that, so, like, (laughs) I'll do it, because it almost feels like he doesn't yet have what it takes to sort of share the screen with Harrison Ford for that long you know like there's moments and there's shots and there's certain sequences where I think they're good together but there's not enough between them there's not enough chemistry for this entire buddy film of them country hopping and all that and you almost needed to find someone new and make him like a breakout star because of this role I really don't know that that's his fault I think it's the character I think that like yeah, they have yeah. to devote so much to Indy. Well, not just Indy, the supporting characters as well. And, uh, you know, you got Mac and Ox and Karen Allen in there. And, right. Yeah, I say it again. Like, this needed to be streamlined. Like, we needed Indy to meet Mutt way earlier and we needed them to be basically the only two together for most of the movie. And I think it just gets bogged down with a lot of sidetracking and dead ends and riddles that go nowhere and confusion (laughs) about how many aliens they are and what alien is which from where and what dimension and it just you know it gets too confusing it kind of folds in on itself at certain times and becomes this mess but eventually untangles enough to 
still be quite enjoyable at the end. Because Shia doesn't show up for half an hour, and I think maybe the best scene in terms of, like, chemistry and energy and, like, what we want to see, at least within the, the scope of this podcast, is that first scene at what's basically the Back to the Future restaurant. Yeah. Because it's just the two of them, like, kind of feeling each other out. The coolest moment in the movie is Shia, for some reason, taking his comb and dipping it in that guy's Coke, and then yep. just, like, rubbing it through his hair. Like, I don't know why he does it, <laughs> but, like, he does it. It's wonderful. Like, there's something about that scene. He drives next to him on the train, and Indy sort of has, I guess, a wise-ass, like, you're running out of road, kid. He gets off the train, and they just go there. Like, they don't know each other. Neither of them know the relation to the other. Father-son, spoiler alert. There's, like, an energy, and there's, like, this chemistry there as they're sort of getting to know each other, and, like, that's not really in the rest of the movie. The next scene is they go to Indy's house or apartment or whatever. He's sort of becoming Indy and like in that way that like while he's researching things, nothing else around him matters. You know what I mean? Like he sort of gets that look in his eye where he's just like, oh, I'm all about the treasure now. I'm all about figuring out the mysteries. Mm-hmm. And like Shia only exists there the same way that Marion exists in the Raiders or whatever to like have ideas to bounce off of. Like it's like he would just as easily be talking to himself as he would be just to talking to somebody else. <laughs> and so like there's never, we never like click again. But I wish, like you said, that from the beginning or like at least 15 minutes earlier, that they get together and they just sort of they hit it off in a, a bigger way. Yeah, because that school stuff is awesome, actually. Like, I, I really like the when the fight breaks out and the motorcycle chase on campus. That's all really cool and well done, and you get to see old Indy, you know, on the back of the motorcycle. By the end of that sequence, Mutt is like, you're not just some old man. You're actually got, like, energy to you and stuff. And, yeah, I also feel like Mutt is coming into this movie fully formed, almost like he stepped out of his, out of another movie into this movie. Like, he's already had a couple of adventures under his belt or something. So, I don't know. I just like the whole whatever they're going for with him. The problem sort of begins when they go out of the country onto their adventure, and Mutt almost seems more like Willie than Short Round. Like, he's just there as, like, this tag-along who kind of slows Indy down because he's never really been this far out in the field before and doesn't really know what to expect, what's coming around the corner or anything. I think there's an excitement, right? Like, there's like, there's just, like, an overall excitement, like, them getting to know each other, and it's sort of like an excitement that Shia just has, like, I'm in the Indiana Jones movie. You know, recently, we talked about a couple episodes ago about how Shia, the only movie that he likes that he made with Spielberg is the first Transformers movie. What I read was that he was so excited to be in an Indiana Jones movie that when he was offered the part or whatever, he didn't even read the script. He just said yes. He's just like, I get to be in an Indiana Jones movie. Meanwhile, John Hurt and Ray Winstone were like, we'll probably do, but we want to read the script. And this was one of those where like a dude in a suit flew to their place, Hmm. watched them read the script, took the script from them and flew back. It's sort of a difference. Like he's like this young kid who at this point is 21, 22 in real life, I think, probably grew up on these movies. He's just like, I get to be in one? Like, absolutely. When you have these older guys, you know, more established people, and we'll see, or we just saw John Hurt again uh, in New York, I Love You, right? So that's sort of another yeah. shy connection. But these guys who have sort of been around longer with smaller parts and just sort of like the, the hoops they have to jump through. But like, I think there's like an excitement to Shia doing this movie. I know it's the character sort of becoming excited about like seeing what Indy can do and being impressed with like, oh, like I thought you were a teacher and Indy just goes like part-time. You know, I think there's an excitement that, oh shit, like I'm actually in a jungle or like on a soundstage somewhere. <laughs> I'm with Indiana Jones. Yeah. There's just something like palpable there and I think it's great. Yeah, I definitely feel the energy behind his performance. I mean, like I said, I think Mutt is actually my favorite part of of the movie, and, you know, that's 
due to Shia. Like, I think he, he's bringing it. He's not the greatest, but for me, he's my favorite part of the movie. Right. One thing I do think about their chemistry and the performance between Indy and Mutt, once he finds out Indy's his dad, I feel like they really work well together. Like, all the pressure seems to be off for whatever reason, you know, I guess just story-wise. Like, there's less tension between the two of them. That's another thing. I wish Mutt came to Indy and was like, my mom's missing. Who's your mom? Marion Ravenwood. Wait a minute. Marion Ravenwood? That bothers me. He's just like, Marion, the kid's like, and Indy's like, there's been a lot of Mary's kids. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because he mishears Shia well, he, or He what? says a different last name. He says Williams because she got remarried. Like, he's Mutt Williams. She married a friend of Indy's or something to raise him and everything. But, but still. Uh, it's still crappy. Like, I just wish he said Marion Ravenwood and then throughout the adventure like Indy could put it together and kind of keep it to himself and not be ready to be a dad and then when they're rescuing Marion it the truth could come out. It just seems like they missed an opportunity in this part where they're alone to kind of play off of the last movie where he was running around with his father. They didn't get along very well. And I just feel like if they knew they were related but couldn't come to terms with that, we might get something, some more interesting drama going on there. In this movie, in this, when they do find out that they're related, it's kind of ultimately accepted immediately. But I kind of don't have a problem with that because... Everything just seems to relax after that secret is revealed. No more wondering when that's going to come out of the bag or anything, and the movie can kind of drop it and move on. It feels like something that both like the characters kind of know and the audience pretty much figures. You know what I mean? Like so, it's just yeah. like if it became like a big deal, it would feel so contrived. Yeah, like I it would even accept it if Mutt was like, "You're my dad," and Indy could be like, "You know how many kids have come to me and told me that, or <laughs> you, know, you know how many illegitimate kids I might have out there." No, but seriously just be like you know there's no proof and then it's like okay well if we find my mother she could settle this and the chance was there to just like there's no need to keep that a secret you should have just dropped that like as soon as possible we might be related let's just put it on the table it'll make the adventure more interesting just by design having that in the wonder of their heads you know in the back of their mind is this true is this false and then while they're hanging off of a pyramid somewhere in the aztec pyramids or fighting some kind of like zombie person they're not thinking straight they have like each other to look out for i mean you could just play with all that a lot more yeah i don't know like i think shy is good in this movie but like he's not given as much to do as he could have or should have been like i feel like there's just so much like we were saying earlier that they just like spend so much time on like the fan the not quicksand and like there's a snake there like there's no reason for it to be a snake other than to be like hey remember how he hates snakes mm-hmm. it's like almost like they had a checklist of things to touch on from previous movies and instead of working to have like interpersonal relationships or whatever it's like let's just make sure we cross off as many things yeah. as possible like it's not a yeah. bad script like, I don't think it's lazy either it's just they spent time focusing on the wrong things yeah I just think it's too reliant on what came before kind of like people talk about how the, the new Star Wars episode 7 is just sort of like a soft reboot like this kind of feels the same way where it just wants to go over the greatest hits to a degree and right. you know uh, to a de- and also Spectre is kind of guilty of that in a couple ways the new James Bond where it's just like this greatest hits of kind of like the coolest Bond moments throughout history we get instead of his dad's diary some ox sends him a letter there's a sequence where they're in some room and they sweep the floor to reveal something and Indy like stands up higher to look down just like at the uh, when he was in Italy uh, at the library and X marks the spot you're right like it gets to the point where they 
almost feel like they're rushing through that list at like an incredible speed. And it's not necessary because they have all the elements to create these new iconic moments and they don't go for it. It's kind of sad when a scorpion bites Mutt and he's like, I got bit by a scorpion. And you're like, oh man, now, okay. So Indy's afraid of snakes, his dad's afraid of rats and Mutt's afraid of scorpions. It's like unnecessary to this point. It feels like they're just shoving it down your throat sometimes. As sort of negative as this is becoming, like I just don't get it. Like I And I was talking to friends while I was watching it and I'm just like, why do people hate this? And like, it's a bad movie. I'm like, but it's not, though. These are not the criticisms I don't think. I don't know. Like, why don't people like this movie? It's a matter of taste. It's a matter of expectations. I don't love it, but I definitely don't hate it. And I used to hate it. You know, I am kind of a reformed viewer of this movie. I am the one, and I couldn't even really tell you what I hated all about it, aside from what we're getting at here. It's just that it doesn't bother me anymore. I mean, we're nitpicking it now, but I don't feel like we're tearing it apart necessarily. I feel like every time it trips over itself, it makes up for it in like the next scene. That's why I think I can accept it now, because when it kind of makes me go, man, why did it do that? A few minutes later, I can go, oh, well, it did this, and that's that works. So it's this weird push and pull sometimes. I think the biggest criticism maybe is, aside from the aliens, is the fact that Indy hides in a fridge and survives a nuclear bomb. But, like, the movie makes a joke about it, like, I can't believe you're going getting yourself locked in the fridges or whatever. I'm okay with that because, like, the scene that precedes it, like, when he walks into this deserted test town, it's so weird and surreal and cool that, like, I'm okay with the craziness that comes next. Yeah, and this time around watching it, the nuke the fridge sequence, as it's come to be known on the internet, didn't bother me in the slightest. Now I took it as, like, a joke. It's the comedy sequence, you know? I mean, and, and like you even said earlier, right, we've got the Ark of the Covenant in the first movie that shooting ghost lasers from God out of it, right? Yep. Like, the supernatural exists in this universe, so that didn't bother me this time in the slightest. And at least it was, as maybe it's not your sense of humor, and that's why people didn't find it funny, you know, I just, the whole joke to me was the lead-lined refrigerator, right? right? And that's what saved them, not that it was a refrigerator or anything, it's just the products made back then were like toxic too, and then it's just like this this contraption that people died in saved his life, and I just don't have an issue with that anymore. I'm, I've, I've come to terms with everything. Because like at the end of the day, like Indiana Jones is sort of like a MacGyver who's an archaeologist, like he just sort of finds ways to get by with whatever he's always like how am I going to get myself out of this one like and this just happened to be like hiding in like the most protective thing possible and like he gets scrubbed off and it's a joke about like the guy like scrubbing his dick like it's funny (laughs) the one other thing I want to say about Shia is that it's something you brought up is like when he rolls up on his motorcycle 10 or 11 movies in whatever 11 movies into this that we are you know he's been on a motorcycle and like three or four things like he I don't know if he likes motorcycles but in Nymphomaniac he was the motorcycle guy at the beginning a couple other times he's ridden motorcycles Wall he's Street. always he's always the motorcycle guy ARM always riding motorcycles but you said that he looks like oh yeah he looks exactly like or is styled after Marlon Brando from the wild one definitely the same hat pins on the jacket the the black gloves maybe even the same bike. When Shia signed on to do the script, in addition to re-watching the Indiana Jones movies, uh, he also watched The Wild One and Rebel Without a Cause and Blackboard Jungle to get ready for the role, and he also added 15 pounds of muscle to sort of fill out and be huh. more like an action star kind of guy. So this movie was the most expensive, at least as of this year, I think, currently, like, I mean, according to IMDb, it's the most expensive movie that Spielberg's ever made. It cost $185 million. It's the only Indiana Jones movie to get no Oscar nominations. 
Uh, it cost a lot of money, but it made worldwide almost $800 million. So even if you double it for promotions, like they still made a lot of money. So especially in today's remake and reboot culture, I would be surprised if we don't get another one. Harrison Ford's old, but I would be surprised if he doesn't come back. Yeah, I definitely want another one. I mean, I think they're aware of the state of this franchise and that it has to come back. And, you know, even if this isn't the worst, there's a sense in the air that it needs to sort of redeem itself in a way. I don't know. I mean, this definitely isn't as bad as, say, the prequels, but there is that reputation about it, like it or not. They really got to come back strong, and I really hope they do, and I hope they do it sooner than later. One thing I read that said, the Harrison Ford said in 2006 that if this movie is not made by 2008, you can count me out. Like, apparently, I don't know if he was tired of being strung along. I think he might have said that to get the ball rolling fast. Yeah, because apparently that, that like, really sort of made Steven Spielberg look for scripts that would be viable to sort of go from there. Star Wars spoiler, now that Han Solo is dead, maybe you have a movie where Indy dies. Just kill off all his famous characters. Oh, you can't do that. You can't. He, he lives to be over 100 because in those young Indiana Jones adventures, when they were first televised, there were these bookends. Indiana Jones as a 100-year-old man with oh, an eye God. patch sitting in the museum with a wooden leg, or, or he's at the doctor's office, or wherever he is, and he starts recounting his life stories. And I gotta tell you, I want to learn how he loses that eye. And he is still kind of a, he kind of aged into a crotchety old bastard, too. He's like telling these young kids not to run in the museum. Now, I don't think he should die, and I think Ford wants to keep this character around. He's totally like a different vein than Han Solo. Like Han Solo's arc was going from scoundrel to hero, right? So he kind of should have died already, I feel. Like that's part of his arc. I think Indy needs to live on, and I think Harrison Ford needs a franchise to keep him going into his golden years. That's fair. So I want... I don't think I've heard anything about a fifth Indiana Jones movie. Now, all I hear is that they want to make one. Okay. That's pretty much all I think is out there is that yeah, we're talking about it. They want to do it, and they're trying to figure it out. But I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this was sold to Disney along with the Star Wars rights. They've really got a lot on their plate over there. I just hope they don't bite off more than they can chew. We will see. Um, I don't think I have anything else to talk about this movie. Do you have anything else that you want in your notes about whatever? I thought Kate Blanchett was good as the Russian bad guy, bad girl. It was kind of cool to have like a female villain that was like strong and kind of interesting and that that whole like psychic or trying to use the skull to create a psychic weapon and she was gonna like they wanted to just what like invade people's dreams and tell them what to think like Uh. it was just i i kind of liked how they did the whole red scare because as she was saying that i was like oh that's what all those invasion of the body snatcher invaders from mars or we're coming to get you in your sleep and turn you into a version of yourself no one will recognize and that was all brought upon by like that communist red scare of the 50s and stuff i actually like that the russians in this were plotting to literally do that like turn you into what they wanted you to be with the crystal skull i don't think it was clear enough i think they could have used a little more clarity with all of that with the plan and the aliens and definitely the ending they just kind of cut and run at the end of this but all in all i was very surprised 
this time around how much I enjoyed it. I don't know. I think I'm cured. I can only hope that Transformers or iRobot or maybe Disturbia, uh, these movies that maybe not necessarily have the greatest reputation, can win us over. And I don't think it's because we've been sitting through Transformer films either. Like, no. I, you know, I, I think it stands alone. Absolutely. And we haven't watched a Transformers movie in like a week, so there's there's been plenty <laughs> of stuff to cleanse the palate in between. Yeah, and like you said, like, you know, Kate Blanchett's in this movie, so like, how can you hate it? Because she's kind of wonderful. Apparently she would like, so she was, she was in that black wig the entire time and like Harrison Ford saw her walking around set without the wig on and didn't recognize her so maybe <laughs> that's just him being old man I don't know for all things all his movies for all his movies you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub you can like us on there find out what we've done find past podcasts see what's coming up next etc etc rate review subscribe on iTunes all fun things all Shia all Zach all Cage all Keanu all Monkey all now that's what I call music at cageclub.me we have so many things going on there this this outro keeps getting longer and longer yeah we're gonna have to record an outro and just drop it in every time instead of you I feel bad at the end of every episode you're listed off every show that's on our network I know I don't know why I haven't done that because especially for Cage when I was editing them all or like when you're doing the ones for Keanu like I could have just like said it but I just say it every time and it's always like similar but it's always different and I feel like it gets worse each time (laughs) I would love to hear a super cut of all the different ones oh man if you want to cut it together, go for it. I don't... <laughs> I'm good. Anyway, I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time with Transformers on all his movies. I'm-